If you're a pop culture junkie who loves TV, film, music, comedy, and other really important stuff, then you've come to the right place. Get ready and settle in for Classic Conversations, the best pop culture interviews in the world. That's right, we circled the globe so you don't have to. If you're ready to be the king of the water cooler, then you're ready for Classic Conversations with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Judy, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get this show going each and every time, and this was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 167 of Classic Conversations. We're getting classic today. We're going over the rainbow, if you will, with my guest, Debbie Wildman. Debbie Wildman is a vocal impressionist specializing in Judy Garland. Fascinating story. She was doing a song a day during the pandemic on Facebook. She lives in the UK in her home, just like you and I, singing, does a Judy Garland song. That goes viral. Next thing you know, she's in Carnegie Hall. There's a lot of details in between. We got to listen to the interview for all the goodness. But I tell you, this is an incredible story, and you're going to love Debbie. She's hilarious, super talented, and that's coming up in just a few seconds. In these precious few seconds, I just want to showcase episode 166 with Karen Grassley. That's right, Ma from Little House on the Prairie. Check that one out next. And all our amazing back catalog after listening to Debbie, tons of great episodes await you. But in the meantime, Let's talk about this sensation. You're going to be inspired to pull out whatever talent you have and showcase it to the world. All right, ladies and gentlemen, get ready for Debbie Wildman, because that's coming up right now. Everyone, I'm excited to introduce you to my next guest, British vocal impressionist sensation. Sensation. I can't wait to, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Debbie Wildman. Debbie, hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, roasting hot. We're having a bit of a heat wave in the UK at the moment. Oh, yeah? It's not too, it's not too bad here. It's warm, but we're coming to the end of, of summer. I love your your accent. I'm so excited. I'm going <laughs> to keep you on forever just because I love... <laughs> oh, well, that's nice. Thanks. <laughs> so, Debbie, it's an interesting story. You kind of became this sensation. You kind of blew up during... The pandemic. So while there's a lot of horrible stories and tragic stuff that happens, there is a lot of creative things that blossomed and became during it. And your story is one of the success stories and kind of really fascinating. I'd love to hear all about it. Okay. Yeah, sure. Potted history. Yeah. Okay. Well, basically I did originally train in singing and acting and stuff when I was younger. I did a performing arts degree at university. And before that, I'd always sung. I've never had singing lessons or anything. I've always just loved doing it. It's luck, really, that I can sing. And um, I've been in bands, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, my dream when I was young was that this is it. I'll be a singer, actress. And I tried. I tried. But, you know, it just I got some bits and bobs, but not enough for me to keep doing it as a job. You know, I don't come from a rich family or anything like that, so I had to uh, get jobs. <laughs> I, I tried making a go of it from when I left university at 21. When I got to about 25, I was like, oh, uh, this I'm not making enough money. I need to live. I need to eat. Oh, well, I had a go. 
and and that was that really and I uh, did all sorts of rubbish you know working for a perfume company being you know like Joey from Friends spraying stuff like, would you like to try sure. <laughs> that sort of thing um, I was a receptionist I did all sorts of stuff and then I became a mum and I became a stay-at-home mum because my daughter was very little and my husband was working and then ooh coronavirus happened and um, I was at home with a just turned two-year-old my husband continued to work luckily but it was from home but he'd properly lock himself away and work all day so it was just me and Sadie is my little girl like what are we gonna do today then okay I think a lot of people were in the same um I can't think of the word basket <laughs> no Boats. but you know what I mean oh, yeah, no, the no. same place yeah and I saw when self-isolating came in or isolating in your household came in quite a few of my friends live on their own and I thought well it's a bit grim isn't it you're just by yourself and I'd seen a couple of people singing a bit online and I thought oh I'll do that to cheer my friends up I hadn't done at this point any professional singing or acting for like 12 years I think I wouldn't have done it otherwise. I would have thought it was a bit big-headed or a bit, you know, like, ooh, look at me singing a song. I wouldn't have. I would have thought it was a bit cringy. But I thought, oh, why not? I'll sing a song a day, was my thought. Not flashy or anything, just on my phone, this very phone, with a karaoke backing track playing through my old iPhone and me recording me on my phone. So there's no microphone or anything like that. And I did a different song every day on Facebook for my, like, 600 Facebook friends. That was it, really. And it was all different stuff. The first song I did was Johnny Mathis, Misty. And the second was Etta James. And then uh, some of my friends who'd seen the first couple were like, go on, Debs, you're going to do a Judy Garland. Go on. Because I've always been a big fan of hers. And for my degree, I'd written a one-woman show about Judy, which I'd done at a few theatres and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I'll get me wig out the cupboard. And I did The Man That Got Away on day three. And I thought, well, maybe... I'll put it on a Judy Garland Facebook group. Why not? They might like it. It's a Judy song, you know. Then I continued doing one a day after that, all different things. And I just started getting shared, like shared, 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 viewed, viewed, viewed. And I was like, this, what's going on? And, um, you know, in a time when you don't want to become viral, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I sort of became viral. Yeah, it was just that. And people started friending me up and I accepted everybody because I wasn't checking on anything I was like oh that's nice yeah okay it just was wild I started getting friend requests from people who I'd heard of you know Mario Cantone from Sex and the City and things like that and I was like what 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 no and then the views started going up and people really liked particularly the Judy stuff so I started doing some more Judy ones and it just started going a bit crazy and I mean I ended up doing a hundred in a row a hundred one a day for a hundred days and at this point I had like I'd gone from 600 friends to 4,000 and it was nuts and then I took it down to doing three a week and things were going along and I got how bizarre is this I got contacted by an agent in Hollywood and I'm you know a mum in the suburbs I was like well this is just crazy come on and I had a chat with him. There's a lovely guy called Scott Stander. We had a chat on Messenger. And I thought, oh, that's nice. But, you know, there was nothing doing at that time because it was all still lockdown. So I was, we just had a nice chat. And that was fun. And I was like, Hollywood agent. And obviously I checked him out online afterwards. And was like, oh, he represents Mitzi Gaynor. Oh, mm-hmm. and Julie Newmar. Ooh, George Shakiris. You know, I was rightly thrilled. And then he found me again about six months later. We had another chat, you know, and things kept going on. And 
it went from there up to the point of January this year. He flew me out to LA to meet him. And I was like, well, this is just crazy. Because up until then, I think nothing will happen. Ah, it's just chat. Blow me down. I went out to LA and... It was, yeah, just brilliant. I also got contacted by um, Billy Stritch, Eliza Minnelli's musical arranger for 20 years, and also a pianist and performer, singer in his own right. I sang a duet with him, and that was August of 2020. So I was in my bedroom here at home. He was in New York, and um, Sandy Knox, his co-writer, was in Memphis. And it all got sort of made, and a video got put on YouTube, and that was crazy i mean it's a brilliant song it's called since you left new york and uh yeah just these crazy things happen just with me making some videos so i went out to la to meet scott and he was lovely we got on really well and he had a little band put together and we did some rehearsing just to see and i had started doing because i got friendly with this judy garland group online the the judy garland experience it's called on facebook they mostly everyone really liked the judy things i was doing and some people suggested oh could you do a song that she didn't do as her would you be able to do that yeah sure and so with the help of some very nice pianists who were also stuck at home with nothing to do who for free made me a like custom backing track it's a lovely man called john d randall this is when i was just at home he made me a backing track for as if we never said goodbye from sunset boulevard that was the first video i made at home of judy doing a song she didn't do and then i had to do a few more after that and it was they went down really well and when I was out in LA meeting Scott and playing with a band we practiced a few songs that she didn't do for like live purposes and I just happened to say I think it would be a good idea to do an album of that that would be fun that's all it was an airy sort of oh that would be a fun thing to do and then he was like okay let's do it and I got home and he was phoning me going right I've got an orchestra I was like And it was brilliant. We chose the songs we were going to do and decked to it. And it it was amazing. That is amazing. And that album is I'm Still Here. When you were doing the 100 songs, just to go backwards for a second. Mm. When you were doing the 100 songs, are they all impressions of the people you're singing or just very specific ones? No, no. It's a mixture. I mean, I sing as myself. I like sing. I wouldn't actually, I mean, I know it's become known now. What I've become sort of as much as I've known as known for <laughs> is singing as people. But I wouldn't actually call myself an impressionist. I'd just say I was a singer who can do some <laughs> some singing impressions. So, yeah, I like singing as myself. A lot of them were just me singing songs I like as me. But I did do some impressions. So Judy was the main one. But I also can do um, Shirley Bassey. Marilyn Monroe, Julie Andrews, Billie Holiday, Anthony Newley. I can cross the gender divide. Barbara Streisand. Can you do Barbara? I don't sound like her. I can't sound. I did some of her songs, but she's got a much higher voice than I have. What about Celine Dion? Here's a... (laughs) I'm just kidding. Hey, just got to take a quick break. I want to thank everyone for their support of the sponsors. When you support the sponsors, you're supporting us here at Classic Conversations, and that's how we keep the lights on. And now back to my amazing conversation with Debbie Wildman. Have you always just enjoyed singing these particular Mm. people in their voice, like when you sing? Or is it just something that when you're doing the song a day, it just seemed like a a fun way to (laughs) amuse yourself in the approach that you were taking during the pandemic? There's a bit of both. Some of them 
just because I'm fans of them and I like doing voices and stuff, I could do anyway. So like Marilyn Monroe, Shirley Bassey, Judy Garland are things that I just do for fun anyway for years. But then some of them I thought, I've always wanted to try. I always thought I could be all right at doing that one. Let's have a go. So like Julie Andrews, I've never done apart from like to myself. And I thought, well, why not? Let's have a go. And I was quite pleased with that. (laughs) Mainly it was just things I like. And was just doing for fun, really. I mean, that was the whole point of it. It was to cheer people up and and also do something for me because, you know, it was a bit, it's a bit full on, you know, locked down with a two-year-old and the world's gone crazy and it's just like, oh. So this was quite nice for me to do as well, really. Um, I had to do it at night because my daughter would not let me do it. In the day, she was very little then. She's actually all right. She's downstairs watching a film at the moment. So I'm, I'm all right to talk to you without... But when she was two, not a chance. <laughs> so I had to wait until she was asleep and then um, either do it in the utility room downstairs, so that's the furthest away from her bedroom, or go out in my car because my neighbour complains about noise and hammers on the wall. If it got to like after 10, I'd have to go out into my car and park in a car park and make a video. That's so funny. Between your neighbour and Sadie, all trying to keep you down, Debbie. All <laughs> She's not keeping me down. Trying to keep you to herself. (laughs) Doesn't want to share you with the world. Do you ever go out in public and just start talking like Judy Garland and just see if people know? (laughs) To me, that would be the funniest thing. If you're at like the mall or something. Most peculiar. What? In the supermarket? I I, I don't know. These tomatoes. (laughs) Not really. I I think they'd think I was crazy. With supermarkets as a punchy players with cream of wheat, but uh, that's not me. That's Jeff. Uh, Have you seen the punchy players little cartoons that are on YouTube? I haven't. They're like little sort of cartoons made from photographs, and a man I've become friends with, Jeff Marquis, does amazing impressions of Judy Garland, Liza Minnelli, and my own personal favourite of his is Anne Miller. He does a wonderful Anne Miller. So they're worth checking out online. They're really funny. And I was overjoyed when he contacted me and said, I love your Judy impression. I was like, I love your Judy impression. It was like a mutual Judy appreciation society. You did the 100th celebration of her of her mm. life, her 100th birthday. You were part of that at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. When Scott Stander, my now agent, oh, my agent now in Hollywood, oh, which still sounds crazy. Initially, when he contacted me, he it was a, to do live stuff. He hadn't thought of doing any recordings. It was to sort of get a live show together and do a bit of touring, which I thought fantastic. Yes, please. And as we were rehearsing and doing stuff, that's when the idea of the album came out. And then they both sort of came together, you know. So it was her 100th birthday on the 10th of June this year, and. We thought, oh, well, if you bring the album out on that date and then do a tour to sort of surround it, that would be great. A nice celebration and all of that. That was the idea. He was booking me in different places in America. And we were on the phone and he said, like, OK, I've got your uh, New York location sorted. I said, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Where's that? So Carnegie Hall. Uh, I can't say on radio what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, bleep off. What? And like, oh, sorry. Whoops. I just couldn't believe it. It was in the, it's in the Zankel Hall. So it's a slightly smaller hall within Carnegie Hall. But still, it's Carnegie Hall. <laughs> you don't have to tell anyone that. <laughs> no, no. Edit that. <laughs> it was amazing. It was just, it was crazy as well from being, you know, housewife at home. 
two years later, hello, Carnegie Hall, which was sold out. And I mean, without meaning to sound like a big braggart, the show was just brilliant. It was me with a seven piece band doing some songs Judy did, some that she didn't as her. And then me talking as myself sort of about her and, you know, why we were doing things. It was more like a concert, but with a bit of chatter. And we got 16 standing ovations. Someone counted. I didn't, but... (laughs) It was brilliant. And Judy Garland's ex-fiancé, John Meyer, was there. Um, I'd invited him because I didn't even realise. You know, I said earlier, I just friended everyone. Right, right. Anyone who sent me a request, I was like, yeah, all right. Didn't look who they were. I'd actually already accepted his friend request without realising. And I did one of the songs that he'd written for Judy that she sang as her. And he commented on it. And I was like, oh, my God, John Meyer, the John Meyer who wrote it has commented. And I clicked on it and it said friends. And I was like, we're already friends? I didn't even realise. I just thought it was some guy called John, you know. So I spoke to him and he's a lovely guy. And we were talking to each other online. He's based in New York. Very kindly at Christmas time of 2020, I decided I had a silly idea that I'd do an advent calendar. And each day would be a different Christmas song all through December. And she did a song that he wrote for her called Till After the Holidays. And I contacted John and said, would you maybe record me a piano backing track for it to sing? And he did from his apartment. He's 81 now. And he recorded that and sent it to me. The joys and wonders of the internet sent it to me over like online and I did it and that was amazing and I got to meet him and we do did Carnegie Hall because I sent him and his wife tickets and they turned up and I did I'd like to hate myself in the morning that he wrote for Judy and uh yeah it was great surreal and brilliant it is amazing it's it's even more amazing like you say like how you hadn't really done anything for 12 years or so in music and because I read a couple reviews of the Carnegie Hall performance. And what people say is like that you are not just good at Judy Garland, like one of the best ever, if not the best ever in terms of her voice inflection and just nailing it a thousand percent. I mean, that's got to feel pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's brilliant. You know, it's it's something I've always loved doing. I've always loved performing and I've always continued to try and sing here and there. But you know how it is. It's luck. It's getting seen by whoever, whatever, you know. And in a way, it's actually nicer that I've had a bit of success now. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie about anything. I'm 38. And it's nice that it's come now in a way because I'm at a nice stage in my life. I'm happily married. I've got a lovely kid. I'm not, you know, I'm happy anyway. So if if this is all that comes from it, well, then that's all right. It's been brilliant. And I'm having a lovely time. And then, hey, meh. but I think when you're much younger, you're more like, it's got to happen over here. Or, you know, it, it's sort of, in a way, nicer it's happened now. I'm a, you know, well, late 30s woman who's or you know i'm not getting swayed by any ridiculous uh oh i don't know temptations or whatever that when you're a much younger person sure, sure. Like, yeah i'll have a drink after the show yeah i'll have five and then you're ruined for the next day or whatever i'm a bit more experienced so i can be like nah i'm all right i won't have a drink i've got a gig tomorrow or oh, that's pretty dull sorry but i think it's good <laughs> so here i found the quote that i was looking for what sets you apart says is the genuine quality of your voice the solid musicmanship of your approach 
and the sensitive interpretation of the lyrics. So some of that comes with time, right? Which you kind of just said, like, but you know, I, I gotta believe this is, I'm sure you're hoping to, this is really just kind of the beginning, right? I mean. Well, it would be wonderful. It was, you know, that's what I've always wanted to do. And I love doing it and it's great fun. And yeah, it's like a dream. But who knows? You can't be sure. Um, but yeah, I, brilliant so far. And I've met so many really lovely people and people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. Yeah, it's been great and unexpected. Completely, completely unexpected. I wasn't trying for any of that. Sometimes that's when it comes, right? Um, I think maybe that's why people liked it in the first place as well, because it's not a cynical thing. I think people... You can tell, I think, when something's contrived or someone's like trying for something. I wasn't at all. It was just genuinely trying to do something nice. And I think that's part of what people liked. Oh, yeah. I think there's a definite sincerity. You weren't trying to become famous. You just were doing something you loved and boom. It, I think it's it's an inspiration to everyone to just Ooh, have a go. Yeah. I'd never stopped singing and stuff. You know, if you truly love something, you'll do it anyway, won't you? Whether you you're successful or not you know I'd always sing at a friend's wedding or just sing around the house or my dad is um my dad's a musician he's a psychedelic rock musician so you know I'll just sing with him playing the guitar for fun you know I'd never not sung you know those 12 years it wasn't like I hadn't sung anything I sing all the time but just for the fun of it but I wouldn't have like I said I wouldn't have filmed myself and put it online because I would have thought oh, embarrassing but luckily my inhibitions went out of the window with COVID because I just thought, oh, pfft, ah, sod it, you know. No, absolutely. So how did you pick the songs? And were there, so like, so the songs in the album, I'm Still Here, which are yeah. a majority of, I think, except for Over the Rainbow, or she didn't sing? Yeah, she didn't do any of them apart from Over the Rainbow. So were there any songs that you're like, oh, let's do this one, and you're like, oh, this is just not sounding like Judy singing this song? <laughs> were there any that, that you had to scrap? Yeah, loads. I mean, we went through a big selection process. So there were some that I knew I wanted to do, but definitely. So basically, the album was created with me, Scott Stander, and Steve Orich did all the orchestrations. And he did all the orchestrations for Jersey Boys, the show. So he's a Grammy Award winner. I was like, okay, Scott, you've got some good people here. Thank you. <laughs> only, only the best for Debbie. Only the best. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, come on. Us housewives demand best. And also Ron Abel, who was went on tour with me, he did some of the arrangements as well. And uh, he works with Lucy Arnaz, all sorts of people in Godspell, the original production, in doing the music. So he helped with some of the arrangements as well. So it was us four, really, because I'm in England, talking to each other, leaving messages over Messenger or whatever, or WhatsApp, because it's free. Odd times, because, you know, they time difference and all of that. And so I'd be wandering around my kitchen. They'd suggest some songs. I'd think about them have a go at singing them as judy as a message and send it and some of them yeah i didn't like and oh, i can't really remember i wasn't so keen on doing i am woman by helen reddy just because i'm not that keen on the song and i didn't think it sounded quite right uh what other ones there were a lot of suggestions that we tried and we're just like eh, nah that's better than that uh, mm. you know basically they just throw songs at me sometimes and i'd have a go and we'd go Nah. <laughs> or, oh, yeah. But there were this few that I had that I really wanted to do or that I had ideas and thought, oh, that would be a good idea. Define gravity because I thought, you know, it's Oz. Sure. 
From Wicked, yeah. Who's more Oz than Judy Garland, really, you know? Also, I thought because of A Star Is Born, the first one, I was watching a documentary on the BBC the other day and they got it completely wrong and said, Judy Garland made the first ever film version of A Star Is Born. I said, no, she didn't. It was Janet Gaynor in the 30s. Judy did the second one. Tut, tut. So anyway, the first one wasn't a musical, but anyway. Uh, That's true, <laughs> so right? Judy We're on the fourth in- one now. It's it's that, mo- yeah, it's that movie. Yeah, so- Judy did the second, then Babs, like I know her, then Barbara, sorry, and then uh, Lady Gaga. And I thought, well, it might be quite nice to do A Star Is Born suite, like a bit from That Star Is Born, a bit from That Star Is Born. So that was an idea I had because I thought it sort of brings it back. Right. You did Evergreen and Shallow. Yes. as a sort of mashup. We mixed them together. Also the Beatles, but we weren't sure which Beatles. But I said earlier, actually, that Judy had never sung any of these. She'd never been recorded singing them because I, again, when I was just on Facebook, I got contacted by a gentleman called Larry Russell, who had been Lorna Luft's first boyfriend when she was 15. And he was 17, I think. And he was in Billy Joel's first band as well as Billy Joel's bass player, I think. But he was a drummer in the 60s in a beat group and all all this. Anyway, he, because he went out with Lorna as a teenager, he met Judy quite a few times in like 1967. And he was telling me about it. He just contacted me to say, I think you sound just like her and I should know because I knew her. And I was like, well, well, that's a good entry. Hello. (laughs) And he was like, give me a ring. Okay. So I called him and I've chatted to him. Lizzie's lovely. He was telling me he was around their apartment and she was about, Judy was about to go to this benefit for Harold Arlen, I think. And he said he sat on a, a love seat with Judy and she sang to Larry over the rainbow and then she sang Got to Get You Into My Life by the Beatles to him which I put on the album so she had sung it before it just never been heard by anyone other than Larry Russell and her kids I guess. But that's perfect because then you knew she could sing it well. Yeah yeah she sang it she liked it. Hey guys take a quick break and we're back with Debbie Wildman. Enjoy. So you have uh, Beauty and the Beast was great. Yes. And then Back to Black. Yeah, that was one I wanted to do. That was good. Amy Winehouse. And then you got Rolling in the Deep. Got to get Adele in there. (laughs) That was feedback from the Judy Garland Experience website. I had asked them, what songs would you like me to do as Judy that she didn't do? And I went through all the responses. There was about 300 and picked like the top few and saw how they went. Gotcha. Hokey pokey. I, I went, that did not make the list. I wish that. <laughs> you know, Diana Dawes sang a song called the Hokey Pokey Poker. Oh, yeah. Let's do the Hokey Pokey Poker. That's Diana Dawes' voice, not Judy Garland's. <laughs> Let's do the hokey, hokey poker. That would be her doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so are you touring now at all? I mean, or I know you did a tour, but are you, is there more plans for tours as Judy Garland or as yourself, as Debbie and Judy? Or There's definitely more dates coming up. The ones coming up are as Judy because we've, you know, it's still her centenary year. And the show that we worked out for that first little tour is a thing now that exists. We've got the sheet music, so it would be silly not to do a, a bit more of it because we only did five dates. So we're going to do a few more of the, the Judy show. In February of next year, we're going to do something in London. It hasn't been booked up yet and maybe other places in the UK. But I'm booked in to come back to the States in March. So I'm going to be singing with 
a symphony orchestra, 65 pieces. Wow. Uh, near Chicago, which will be amazing. I'm really looking forward to doing that. I mean, singing with the 30-piece orchestra in the studio was just brilliant because they were all together. Apparently, people don't do that anymore. They don't get all 30 pieces together in the same room to record. Nowadays, apparently, they do it like one by one. But Scott was just like, no, nope, we'll do it the proper way. And he's like, well, that's how you do it, isn't it? They loved that because it's nicer for the orchestra players to be all together and all get the feeling and... It was just brilliant. Yeah, but the problem is once you go 65, you can never go back to just 30. <laughs> I think that phrase has only been uttered by men of 65. <laughs> <laughs> How does um, Sadie and your husband love all this newfound success? Yeah, yeah, they like it. I mean, Sadie's not that bothered, really. <laughs> They liked it in the fact that they got a free trip to Disney World. That's because I played Orlando and Scott very kindly flew them out to see a couple of the gigs. And when I was in Orlando, a very lovely gentleman called Michael Stemmler, who's my friend on Facebook, said, I see you're coming to Orlando. I work at Disneyland or Disney World. Would you like some free ticket for yourself and your family? And I was like, um, yes, please. <laughs> so that was amazing. Just really kind. And he took us to Disney World. Because he likes more videos. Wow, he you must be you must be super famous because I've never heard of Disney giving anyone free tickets. <laughs> well, Disney didn't. It was the very nice gentleman who I works know. there gave us some freebies. Oh, that's so awesome! But, um, you should come to Detroit. You should come to Detroit, Michigan, and play at the Detroit Fox Theater. I think that would be uh, that would be like perfect for a, a Judy Garland song fest if you walked in. That there, would be, be wonderful. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, because there's such a rich musical history in Detroit. I mean, got to do it. So what about Liza Minnelli? So I know you you know people who know her. Have you guys been connected? Because it seems like it would be kind of cool for you guys to do some duet. (laughs) I would love that. I mean, I love Liza anyway, irrespective of her being related in any way. Garland, I love her just as herself. Brilliant. I mean, Cabaret is in my top 10 of films. I've seen her live twice and she's just brilliant i think she's great unfortunately i've not met her uh, some people have said oh yes she's seen some of your videos and she thinks she's but you she thinks you're very good but i don't know if that's true you know people will be nice and say oh yes yes but i don't know i know i know the family are very they find it a bit weird sometimes i think people doing their mum you know well that sounds wrong <laughs> but i mean impersonating you know yeah well, which I, is totally, I could see i could see that it's fair enough yeah yeah yeah, it's weird. I get it. but It's, prob- it's probably they- not like Elvis where everyone's been doing it for decades. It's like it's a very select few that maybe do Judy Garland. Judy Garland. I don't know why I turned it into four <laughs> syllables. Your emphasis was strange. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do Liza's voice? Have you tried to do Liza? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes, yeah, singing more than talking, as evidenced just then. Yeah, I can do it. Her voice is different. Right. I know right. people say, oh, they really sound alike. They don't sound that alike, actually. She's got, yeah, I think she's fab as well. I'm better at doing Judy than Liza, but I haven't really tried as much with Liza. I've done a couple. I did a version of Some People. Blimey, there's a lot of words in that song. <laughs> Get yourself a new <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, 
a lot. That good. So Debbie, do you want to have you ever written your own or do you from the the time when you were in bands and stuff written your own material? Is like doing a Debbie Wildman album something you want to do? Like is that like the way to do it versus like if you do another Judy album, it's like, oh, you're just Judy Garland. You know what I mean? Like it would be nice to do stuff as me, definitely. Yeah. Because you know, my voice is there's similarities to Judy's, but it's not the same. I'm putting that on. Um, so it would be nice to sing as myself and do some stuff. I don't know what style it would be. I've been in rock bands before. So um, I did some material that my dad wrote for me to do. I was in a band called Debbie Duveen and the Millbanks, and we put an album out. Um, but that was just putting it out ourselves. And that was years ago. I was in a band called Hex and we had a little CD that we put out. I used to play with that. That was when I was 17. It was a jazz covers band that I used to sing at the very posh restaurant Quaglino's in London every Friday and Saturday. I got the gig when I was 17 because I worked in a record shop with the bass player's flatmate and their singer, they were all in their 20s, their singer had gone off to do the Edinburgh Festival and they'd got this quite big gig at Quaglino's which is very posh it's a Conran restaurant and weirdly enough as an idea of how posh it is it's where Judy Garland had her fifth wedding reception which I didn't know when I was singing there and they were like oh we our singer's not here what are we gonna do and my friend Mike that I worked with said oh Deb can sing she likes all that stuff and they were like, mm, all right, we'll give her a go. And I was 17. They were like 25, 26. And the upshot of it was they sacked their singer. And <laughs> I joined the band. And we got a gig in Quaglino's every Friday and Saturday. And I did that every weekend for a year before I went off to uni. And it was a real good grounding because people haven't come there to listen to a band. It was in the bar. It was like four musicians and me. And they'd come there for a drink, for a meal. They're not there to listen to music. And it was like a real, can you win them over? Come on. If I can get you up and dancing, I've won. It was great. I'd go at nine and I'd leave at one in the morning. Wow. So that was that was good training, I think. More, I loved doing my degree, but in a way, better training in a way, I think. Real people there, you singing, woof, do it. <laughs> well, I got to say, I'm, I love this story. It's, it's very inspirational because I think it's like anyone who's out there that hears this is like, you know, that you followed your dream and passion for a while. You said from in your early 20s and then kind of let it go and then just kind of came back to it. And then with the right impetus, unfortunately, it was a, a pandemic, but, uh, yeah. uh, but kind of removed some of that. Like you said, the uh, ego that would have been you would end. You would have felt like it was too much uh, an ego play to just start singing, yeah. right? So, but it's great. And then you got it, that's the power of social media and just in talent these days. It's you got rediscovered, and your talent now is just on the. It's already boomed. I mean, most people their first thing isn't Carnegie Hall, but great, yeah. great for you. <laughs> most of us have to practice, practice, cool. practice. But that's awesome. So you're touring. You got an album. I'm still here singing all as Judy Garland. You know, all the, her, all these people. Sounds amazing to me, Debbie. And now I, you can add me to that list of people, you know. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> oh, you schmoozer. <laughs> oh, well, this was fun. Well, right? thank you. This was fun. Thank you so much. So where, where do you hang out online other than Facebook, which is where you are? Facebook and YouTube, really. I'm meant to put stuff on Instagram, I've been told, but I keep forgetting. I'm... I'm I'm not, oh God, I'm I'm not with that whole, I'm doing it for the gram 
era, I have to keep reminding us, like, oh, God, I'm meant to put something on Instagram, aren't I? Here's the picture. Well, I didn't focus on that one so much because at the time you couldn't put a whole song on there. So I was like, that's the point. But I know these days it's all it's all TikTok, isn't it? It's all, all TikTok and Insta. Well, I'll leave you with, you really should take that seriously. You should uh, Instagram Reels and YouTube okay. Shorts. And TikTok. Basically, you could create the same kind of video clip because I think you singing as Judy would do amazing on all those platforms. But with reels and everything, even with a smaller account, you can get huge distribution on those, all three of those. I don't know how to do it. I'm so untechnical. It sounds like, you know, oh, she's done all these videos. Honestly, look at the videos. It's me holding a phone. That's it. My technical ability is like this much. I mean, what you have, you probably could upload and and I would hope. I'd be like, try it out. Try it out. I mean, seriously, I would. But the nice thing about TikToks, YouTube shorts and, and reels on Instagram is it's the same file. You know, just you just upload the same thing in all Don't three people places. people get bored of that? Well, they're, but they're not necessarily that. seeing you on all three, right? Okay. So somebody okay. might see you on TikTok, isn't going to be necessarily on Instagram, that kind of thing. So don't worry about that. I always feel like I have to put something different on Instagram to what's on Facebook to that. Because I was like, oh, no, people get bored. I do the same thing. Well, so I always do something different, but I, then that's way too much work. There may myself. be some crossover, but I mean, I think the bigger picture is you'll, you'll, uh, you know, you, cause you might have a TikTok that has 20,000 views and a thousand on reels. So obviously if a thousand of those people saw you in both, who cares? You had the extra 19. <laughs> this is true, Jeff. You're right. You're right. So, and you got it. I think it's tailor-made. I've got to fit it in between trips to the supermarket and cooking dinner and all of that. <laughs> Because people love impressionists, but I mean, you're beyond that. You're, I mean, you're the real deal with just singing in that style. So, I mean, it's like, I think people would eat this up. Do little short ones of stuff that you really wouldn't expect. Yeah. So like, what what wouldn't you expect Judy Garland to sing, for instance? Oh, like I, well, I had the hokey pokey ready, but like any kind of, <laughs> any kind of child's thing would be funny. What would be a good one? Oh, um, what's the ACDC one that's uh, back in... I'm on a highway to hell. That one, yeah. <laughs> or Deep Purple, like yeah, you know, like everything, like some really Broke on the water. Yeah, put on the wig, do it black and white. You know, what I mean, they probably even have like one of those filters where you can make it look like it's like old footage. And oh. uh, boom. So you're getting too technical again. It's all just buttons on the phone. It's all you can do it all on the phone. It's like easy. It. That's you the can. beauty of this now, where you are in life now versus when you, if you were 25. At 25, this would have been impossible. <laughs> oh, 25, I would have had a flip phone. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's my pink razor. I, nothing's coming through. Oh, well. Don't I use that for my legs? <laughs> You're hilarious, too. So the <laughs> you got everything, Debbie. It's so fun. You're hilarious. Well, thank you again for thank hanging out much. with me. I appreciate it so much. Oh, pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And definitely come to Detroit so I can see you in Detroit. That would be great. That yeah. would be awesome. I'd love, to, I'd love to visit Detroit. I used to, when I was a receptionist, as part of my um, time was spent, I was at a computer at the front of a building, but people can't see what you're looking at. So long as you didn't watch videos or whatever, you could get away with just reading the internet, basically. So I used to look at those. They had a thing going of houses for sale in Detroit for like $1,000. And they were these beautiful, massive mansions that have been left 
and you can buy them for really cheap. And I'd spend a good part of my time going, $4,000. It's got a ballroom. I could have that if I had $4,000, which I blatantly didn't. But I was like, you could have owned all of Detroit by this point. So, <laughs> and been a music mogul. <laughs> oh, what could have been? Debbie, thank you so much. I really appreciate this time together. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks, Jeff. All right. How amazing was Debbie Wildman? Tell me, where are you not now inspired? Whatever talent you have bubbling up inside you that you've been not presenting daily on Facebook or Instagram, get out there, do it, follow your dream. You never know what can happen. You got to put yourself out there. Good things come. Check out Debbie's album, I'm Still Here. Links in the show notes to all the good stuff. All right. Well, with the interview over, that can only mean one thing. That's right. It's time for another trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at Hashtag Roundup. Download the free Hashtag Roundup app at the Google Play Store, iTunes App Store. It's totally free. Play along with us. Follow us on Twitter at Hashtag Roundup. Tweet, tweet, tweet. And one day, one of your tweets may show up on a future episode of Classic Conversations. Fame and fortune await you. All right. This episode's hashtag is hashtag pandemic band names, inspired by one, the greatness that came to Debbie during and because of the pandemic as she sang to all her friends daily and her past as a singer in various bands. Here we got hashtag pandemic band names brought to us also by Across the Pond Tags, who one of the hosts is from the UK, just like Debbie. It's like this practically wrote itself. All right. So we take pandemic, we take bands, mash them together. You got hashtag pandemic band names. Got your own? Tweet it. Tag us at Jeff DeWaskin Show. I'll show you some Twitter love. In the meantime, here's some hashtag pandemic band names for inspiration. Pandemic at the disco. Panic at the Costco. See, I can take the same one. You can mash it up and make different versions of hashtag pandemic band names. Don't kiss me. Too petty in the rule breakers. Zinc Floyd. Rage against the mask. Bruce Springsteen and the PPE Street Band. The Bleach Boys. All amazing hashtag pandemic band names. And here's some more. The Coronas Brothers. My Pandemical Romance. And our final hashtag pandemic band names tweet. Flu Fighters. Oh, <laughs> all right. Oh, hilarious. Hilarious. All right, well, all these are retweeted at Jeff DeWaskin Show. Show them some Twitter love. I'm sure they'll appreciate that. Got your own. Tweet your own. Well, with the hashtag over and the interview over, it can only mean one thing. Oh, episode 167 has come to an end. I want to thank my special guest, Debbie Wildman. And, of course, I want to thank all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me. And I'll see you next time so much for listening to this episode of Classic Conversations. If you like what you heard, don't be shy and give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, why not go ahead and tell all your friends about the show? You strike us as the kind of person that people listen to. Thanks in advance for spreading the word and we'll catch you next time on Classic Conversations. Classic Conversations.